We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Wake up! Wake up! Mike Mulligan. Bears, 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 bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often. David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning on 670 The Score. Mully and Hall flashback. 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 Predict the Super Bowl matchup. Okay. Bills, Niners, Super Bowl. My Super Bowl, Ravens, Bucks. All right, I got the uh, the Eagles will beat the Niners. Many months later. The Philadelphia Eagles have won the NFC Championship by the final score, the Eagles 31, the 49ers 7. Attention, air traffic control. A flock of Eagles is heading to Arizona. A couple of teams that didn't win divisions I picked. So I got the Chiefs beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. That was September 8th when uh, those brilliant words of wisdom somehow escaped me. (laughs) Somehow. Picked the Super Bowl correctly uh, before the season started. Yeah, that's right. That happened. Why is that not a promo on this station? Exactly. Damn it. The next day. Eagles will beat the Niners. So I got the Chiefs beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. The next morning. Eagles will beat the Niners. So I got the Chiefs beating the Eagles in the Super Bowl. That did happen on September 8th, and we did promise to, to play the hell out of it. But that's a bit much, isn't it? No, I think I you just want think... to point out the fact, look, you play the hits, and that's a hit. You picked the Super Bowl. Start your mornings with Mully and Hawk. 5.30 till 10 a.m. Playing the hits. On 6.70 The Score. Swami and Haw, weekdays 5.30 to 10. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6.70 The Score. I think we can at long last put that one to rest, Brandon. Thank you. I appreciate that we've played it many times now. and I, I was kind of joking, to be honest with you, but I'm, I'm pleased that the blind squirrel found a nut. But I remain as impressed as I was the first 17 yeah. times we played it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Still. Uh, good morning, Molly. On. Happy Monday. David, how are you, buddy? Good. How was your Doing weekend? Right. Yeah, it was a good weekend. Good weekend. How was your weekend? My weekend was glorious. It was really fun. And I had a great time. And thank you for uh, joining me at Loyola. That was really, really a surprise. And, and it was wonderful of you. And, and uh I, I had a really nice time. I want to thank uh, all the fine people at Loyola. You so know, for people I don't that, go back enough. You know, no, I don't you, you do don't. that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd agree with that after having a conversation with some yeah. of those things and, and talking about the whole idea of going back in nostalgia. It is yeah. a good idea because you did have a good time and what fun it was. And for people who maybe, like, what are they talking about? You were honored on Saturday at halftime of the Loyola game. You received the Father Finnegan Award for Humanitarianism and service to youth through athletics. And it was a fun day because uh, I enjoyed it. It was fun to see you in that setting. But also, I, it's been a while since I'd been to a Loyola basketball game. Yeah. 
Not that yeah. this is the you know Loyola basketball team. Maybe you want to drop everything to go see. No, they're they're they've struggled. But it's a good atmosphere, and the the moment around Sister Jean is memorable. <laughs> and it, seeing you, you know, honored was memorable. So it was good to have a memorable day. It was a good weekend. So we go in there <laughs> to this thing, and uh, and Sister Jean is there. So my wife, I'm like, she's she's just like. Well, you're at a reception beforehand. You went to her. I was on the way, but you were there, and Sister and, Jean was and there. Sister Jean was there, yeah. and and we, um, and so I'm like, I'm just like, you know, it, she's a great person. She, I've talked to Sister Jean before. She's very kind. My wife had not met her, and it was like this kind of rock star thing because, like, I have Sister Jean socks. I wear a Sister Jean T-shirt. Like, there's all sorts of Sister Jean stuff around Loyola. The woman's 103 years old. And I believe she has a book coming out. Um, at any rate. <laughs> Think uh, about that I sentence. Know, I know. Think about that sentence. It's unbelievable. Uh, at any rate, so we, we walk over to take a photo with her. My wife says, this is her greeting to her. She says, we have an ornament of you on our Christmas tree. <laughs> It was. That's quite a was, hello. She was Think about that sentence. I, it was. How many people can you say that to? No, it was hilarious. And so we took a photo with Sister Jane. It was wonderful. And it, 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 she's a lovely The photo lady. that you took, you should actually post because it's funny. You're leaning into Sister Jean. You're both kind of leaning down to be in the in the pose. And, and she's smiling as usual. That is a good moment because you you are in the midst of somebody you have a Christmas or- ornament of, Isn't which is very sir? unusual. Yeah, it's very crazy. So I was not running late necessarily, but I, I got there after that moment. I was coming down to the game after. Well, you had worked. Well, inside the clubhouse. That was incredible. We'll get to that because that was actually a fun show. Brian Cashman had a lot of good stuff to say. But so I walk in, and I'm going down. You know, I kind of know where I'm going around there a little bit. Yeah. But I didn't know exactly where to go at first, so I was going by the locker room, and just at the time, the players were coming out. So I'm, I'm standing there at the locker room, Hitch is there and everybody, and I'm, I'm around the Loyola team as they gather around Sister Jean. Now, I haven't seen this since the, the Final Four yeah. year. Yeah. When that used to be a thing, you could see it on uh, during the right. tournament, and the players are gathered around Sister Jean, and I can remember it. My recollection was usually pretty quick. Like, yes. boom, okay. Because Porter Moser was like, okay, let's go. You know, yeah. like 15 seconds. Play, God bless. Gotta play. You know, yeah. Stay healthy. God bless. Let's go win. And yeah. she would say something. She, she started saying a prayer. God bless Sister Jean. We love her. It went at least two minutes. <laughs> I mean, this was right an appeal. Right the start of a game. They really yeah. wanted to beat George Mason. Exactly. <laughs> oh, they had to beat George Mason. They this, did beat him. God bless This him. was like, oh, my gosh. I think that she prayed for... You know, good traps on the on the zone press <laughs> for, for ball movement and for hitting the free throws. Because at one point, one of the players that I mean, they were all kind of locked in. Yeah. You know, they got their hands in and they're all very locked in and intense in the prayer. And one of the players looked up and I like I think it was like, "We done yet?" <laughs> but it was a very sincere prayer and it went on a little bit. But you know what? It worked. They won. <laughs> they did win. So that was a good day. Oh. It was funny. It was good. We, we, we had a texter. I can't believe Mully is bringing light to his wife's comment to Sister Jean. Most men would have learned that lesson. It was hilarious. She was on board with it. Chrissy was fine. She was just, she loved 
meeting Sister Jean. That's all. It's not an insult. I oh, think not at all. She was she was marveling at the woman, and you know it's unbelievable because we're sitting there, and and we're talking, and I'm telling my kids that um, so she's 11 years older than Grandma. <laughs> 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 and my my mother in law is like it's ninety two. It's unbelievable I, that Sister Jean is still it, it really at hundred and three years old. And, and she's and she is there she's sharp watching the game. Oh, and yeah. and not and, and really locked into what yeah. she's watching. She don't want people standing in front <laughs> no, of her. Stand she's, in the way. Like, she's like in a tunnel watching the game. She's totally watching the game. And I, she definitely is engaged. And I think that. You, her, her involvement it. is an inspiration to a lot of people because it is a great symbol for, for just her life, but just a great message. You know, she's 103 years old, and she's still as active as she is, and she still is around, and she does inspire people. She does. It's great. I, I remember um, when I covered the Bulls, I used to, they used to have, like, a timeout, and during the timeout, they'd have, like, that um, – M&M's run or whatever. I forget what, what it was, but they'd have, like, the the race. And so there would be Phil, like, drawing up a play, talking to everybody, and I would just watch the team to find out who was going to be checking out the race. And I'm not joking. Like, three or four guys, I look it up to see. Like, they don't even have a horse in the race. I'm right. sure they don't. But they're not going to get their M&M's or whatever the hell it yeah. is. But it's it's this bread and circus stuff you can't. You can't concentrate on anything if you got if you got the M and M's running right. It, no, it's hysterical. Uh, I also think that what, what I was reminded of in um, in seeing that the awards being given out at halftime, the Hall of Fame class with Loyola's Hall of Fame being inducted. Uh, I think that Steve Watson, if he's not the tallest athletic director in America, <laughs> he's got to be in the team photo. He is, he is, he is much taller than anyone So I else. post a photo yeah. of you getting your award, and right. then somebody asks me, he's like, wait a second, how tall is Molly? <laughs> yeah, I shrunk. I'm 5'9 now. <laughs> how tall yeah. is Molly? Because how tall is that guy? Yeah, it was pretty funny. Steve I, Watson is pretty tall. I got I got a lot of those comments. I got a lot of people who told me I looked older than Sister Jean. I mean, it was very funny. I only, the only the comment around. I got about your appearance was um, whether or not you wore that scarf everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we were with Gryffindor. Exactly. They gave us the scarf as we as we uh, went to this thing. It was. I, I gotta tell you, like, you know, we had a really fun time, and it was much more memorable because you came, David. Thank you. Thank for you. That. Yeah. I it did was not fun. like. I didn't invite. I you know I didn't. In retrospect, maybe I should have like tried to get the word out and brought some people, but then. Then you end up going over to Bruno's and you never make it home. Exactly. You, know you never I mean? quite know where when the night get, is going to go. When you got your kids, you know you're going home. So that's always they a had nice little gathering beforehand. Yeah, it was fun. So it, it, was, it, was, fun. Was, it was a fun – We uh, had a really good time. Fun yeah. event. Good college basketball Saturday. It was a great game. I mean, it, it went down to the wire. I thought the Ramblers were in trouble. They managed to win. You're right. It was – you know, it's a really – we had good seats. It's like a really nice venue if you have seats. Basketball uh, opinion, can I offer one please. here? So – you realize, with due respect to Drew Valentine and to yes. the Ramblers in the first season in the Atlantic, Atlantic 10, 10 yeah. you realize it is their first season in the Athletic 10. Yes. You go there and you watch up close and personal, and I'm not going to pretend like I'm a college basketball expert in Loyola this year. I haven't seen him a lot except for occasionally on television. But this looks like a, a, a program in transition physically. Yeah, they, they are shorter than the um, – 
Atlantic 10 teams they're facing. Yes. And they, and they are – what's interesting about it, and the same thing happened in that game, like they started getting pounded on the boards in the second half. It's almost like they go into halftime and they're like, oh, you can you can win these battles down low, and then they – Started scoring some points, but it, but the Ramblers, God bless them, stayed ahead. They did because you know what? The they still have the traits of a typical Loyola team. Yes, they're smart. They have good ball movement. They can shoot it a little bit, and they don't beat themselves typically. Right. So they were playing a team that they should have beaten on Saturday, and they did. But you could tell that this is a transition that is still underway because it looks like a Missouri Valley team that is in its first season making yeah. that transition physically, they're, athletically, and otherwise. They're doing well in all the other sports, but the basketball program probably is not doing as well. They're below 500. They're not doing as well as they imagined. The soccer blokes are pretty good. Soccer yeah. blokes did pretty yeah, good. Did pretty they well. were. They were yeah. I went to a couple of games. I know. I heard yeah. that. That was good. Yeah. I, I, Supporting I the go, cause. I got to go more often. I really do. I got to make it a, a habit to to go to more it, of those games because it's fun. It, I had a good time. What, a couple other college basketball thoughts. We don't talk a lot about college basketball. Well, we'll we start will. to now yeah. because it's February 6th and, and March is right <laughs> yeah. around the corner. It was a pretty interesting weekend in the Big Ten because Indiana stormed the floor against Purdue after beating them right. in Bloomington. I knew a couple people at that game, and wow. apparently that was a great scene. And then the big debate always comes, do you rush the floor after beating your rival? Of course you do. You do whatever you want. So anyway, Purdue loses to Indiana in Bloomington. And last night, Northwestern did something they haven't done since 1996, and that was sweep the season series against Wisconsin. Northwestern's going to the tournament. They're third in the Big Ten. I should say that now, and I'll probably jinx them, but they they are in a position to make it into March Madness again. First time since 2017. That's pretty good. I, I have a commemorative T-shirt of their 2017 uh, uh, entree into that. I was at Northwestern one time, and I had I had, uh, a, I had fallen while uh, biking, and my shirt was basically destroyed. And in the bookstore, they had some of these 2017 shirts. So I got one just like two years after the fact for like half price. You got a 2017 shirt in 2019? Yeah. Oh, it was the only time you could actually, you know. Oh, my. Get get it at half price, basically. <laughs> you know, it, that's that's the old joke. Of like when you, when you see guys in T-shirts and hats immediately after the game, they've obviously made them for both teams. So what happens, they end up shipping them off somewhere. So there's like – a bunch of dudes walking around on some island with a commemorative championship shirt for a team that didn't win the championship. I remember that that run. I don't. I don't think I even have a T-shirt. So you're you're one up on me. I remember that run in 2017. A lot of excitement. I don't know that it would create the same type of enthusiasm this time around because it was the first time. I think it'd be. I think it'd be well received though. We we need a team for and overdue. Yeah, overdue with yeah. that program because you started to think it was on the way up and then right. Kind of stagnated. I want to get a ruling though. Dustin did kind of perk his ears up with with the storm the court comment. Was that where where do you stand? I, I kind of was wondering where you stood on this whole storming the court idea. Indiana beats Purdue, number one team in the country. It is their rival. There is an expectation, and for some people in the, in the Bloomington community, you should never react that way after beating Purdue because you should be expecting to beat Purdue. I can see that, but it was the number one team in the country. Indiana basketball has been down-ish for, for some time. Yes. Um, I, I, I watched a lot of that game. Unfortunately, Molly, I apologize to you via text. I'll apologize on oh, the air. No. I could not make Austin. it to the uh, event, and I wish I could no have. No worries, man. Um, Jeez. But that was a really 
entertaining game. And if you did catch it, like Dick Vitale was at his best. And he something he pointed out, David, that ties into what you just, this is why I mentioned it. He said, listen, he said, Indiana favored in this game. So, you know, the nightly news is going to say, what an upset. You know, number 21 takes down number one. He's like, they were expected to win. I didn't realize he, that. He, he said, this is not an upset. This is not, this is what people are going to say. This was this big up. So based on the fact, like, that would be the only reason why I would say, eh, maybe you shouldn't. But it's a, like, I if you're a college student, Okay, if you're a college student, I mean, the fans, the people that have season tickets right. in Bloomington, for, right. they weren't rushing the court. Well, it was the student. Okay. How often is the student uh, going to be able to experience beating number one on the four-letter network, getting on SportsCenter? Getting, I mean, there's a bunch of things. So for the student, I think it's fine. The difference would be, like, you know, I have no problem with it, honestly. I really don't, and it's probably not the answer everybody was expecting. That people probably I'm thought I'm thrilled I would have. that you had that reaction yeah. because yeah. I, I think it's appropriate and it fits that occasion. Right. And today's college basketball, yeah. really. It was an interesting day at college basketball. I mean, it, before that, I, I watched a lot of college hoops on Saturday. Illinois lost at Iowa in an unbelievably entertaining, competitive game. And on, did you guys see any of that? Benetti was doing that game on Fox. Did a really nice job. Then that Tough rolls ticket, in, huh? That rolls into That's Purdue, Indiana. And then the nightcap or the late afternoon cap is Duke hosting North Carolina. The 190th meeting. Neither team ranked. Super competitive, entertaining how, how game. How is that? Humanly possible, right? Neither. I mean, how many times do you think that's happened? That North Carolina team was loaded. They were the number one team in the country to start the season. Isn't what it used to be. (laughs) It's hard to believe. It is hard to believe. But isn't what it used to be last year? Uh, That's what I'm saying. That's Uh, that's, you know, that's true. I know Paolo is in the NBA. It still lived up to the hype. Duke, North Carolina, two unranked teams, and it was a fun watch. And then I watched the end of the Bulls game, so it was like a basketball extravaganza. I, I, the only comment. I have, and I know this is goofy, but like just in my mind, Indiana is a significantly bigger program than Purdue. Now that's based on all the years I've watched college. That's based basketball. on tradition. It, traditionally, that's exactly yeah. right. So in the moment, the fans come out, all that. But Indiana used to be able to beat Purdue. Well, I and think Indiana they, should be able to beat. That's an understandable comment because of the number of national championships. When exactly. you look at what Purdue has done, and certainly the Knight and Katie eras comparatively didn't it was easy to say that but I think the last 20 years you know Tom Crean was commenting on Indiana Purdue he was part of the yeah I don't want to say decline but it, they relatively speaking Purdue has put themselves in a position where oh they're huge they're they're, they're in a better better shape right now they're a really good team and Indiana's on the way back I, but I, the this thing about students rushing the court you're right any 18 to 22 year old has a right to do that my thing is that I knew people there. I know a, uh, a, a, a retired lawyer in his 70s who wore a, uh, a red and white striped blazer and took pictures, and he's just the did biggest he, fan in the world. Did he storm the court? And I think that he – I asked him that because he was texting me from the game. Wow. And he didn't answer, so I'm assuming yes. That's pretty funny. Because this is the enthusiasm that Indiana Purdue kind of generates. Any rivalry, anything that Duke North Carolina, it's the same kind of thing. 
And so I didn't realize that IU was favored, but I'm not surprised because there are a lot of people that expected them to do what they did. How about this from the 219? I was at the game. It was one of the loudest environments I've ever been, and they had to stop the game several times as things were being thrown at the Purdue bench. They had to come over the PA and say, next time it happens, IU will be issued a technical foul. Wow, that, Wild. No, now, that awful. did not come across yeah. on television. Yeah, I did not awful. pick up on any of that, and that's too right. bad that that happened. Maybe you text your buddy about that, Dave. I will ask him about that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's that's funny. I also wondered as I watched it. So Mike Woodson, longtime yeah. NBA guy, IU grad, played under Bobby Knight. I sure. wondered, like, is Bobby Knight watching this game? Like, it, what what was Bobby Knight thinking? As I, I don't think Bobby Knight is watching Indiana basketball anymore. Do you? I do think he's back in the fold because of Mike Woodson's presence there. Oh, so he really yeah. is. That's I, why I, I thought about it because I, think I thought that connection maybe his. Yeah. I thought he. I thought he. They was had a kinda, big. Yeah, they, they had. They, a they big mended fences, ball. I believe, and I think my, Mike Woodson coming to coach this program huh. was is part was part of that healing, if you will. But yeah, because that it was got it got complicated in the end. Oh, very God. complicated oh in the God. end. Big basketball weekend between yeah. college basketball, Kyrie being traded, yeah, how about the Bulls Kyrie coming back. Traded. Oh my gosh. Wow. Now the Bulls comeback was awesome in part cuz it was Damian Lillard. I mean, you know, to to come back and win that game with a guy of that talent. Did you think it was over? Oh, I when he got was, hot, no question. Did you think that it was yeah. it was done? They were, I did. I yeah. thought it was I thought there was there was no way back for the Bulls, but they did come back and that's good. Um I also thought the Kyrie trade was just amazing. And Dustin played some of the sound of, you know, the disappointment of what they did. They, I believe Houston controls the Nets draft for like five or six more years. They've got all these first-round picks, their whole future. Because of James to, Harden. To get James Harden, yeah. they gave up a ton. Go look that one up. It's unbelievable what they gave up. And now here you are, uh, you know, Durant is 35. I, did that happen overnight? It just seems like he's He's aged. 35 and injured. And he's <laughs> always kind of injured. And Kyrie is, I, I, like, I, I'm not sure that we'll get into it. I'm not sure that's a good trade for anyone. I mean, it, you know, no doubt Dallas got the better player. They got the best player in the deal. And you always say, well, who got the that, best player? The only thing that is. But a, it's Kyrie. And we will get into it. But the only uh person or entity that's a good trade for, it's not good for anyone you say it's a good trade for espn well there you go there that's you go. it yeah because now they can they can have entire weeks worth of programming maybe yeah. months worth of programming around kyrie irving going to dallas to wreck luca i mean it's a it's just a it i guess it, so if you give him 200 million will he behave i don't i i just i don't mean to be mean to kyrie but what kind of teammate is Money that guy? Money is Based no object to somebody with that, those kind of issues exactly. and that personality. He's just a different it's, cat. It's, it's irrelevant. It has been in He's the past. A talented player, but a strange cat. And um, We should all worry for Luca. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how that's going to work out. Maybe it'll be great. But but Kyrie, man, what was Charles Barkley's line? He's, I love that. He's, uh, he's half man. Half a season. Half a season. <laughs> Come on. That's a great line. It is a great line. Because you can't count on him to be around for anything. He's he's like I think he's the the numbers are like I believe it is one fifty five and one forty one. He's played in the last one hundred and fifty five while missing the last one hundred and fifty over four seasons. I'm just saying. So nobody's evaluating this based on his ability on the court, because it's, if you would 
do that in terms of a score, in terms of a ball handler. He's historically good. But being on the court is the problem. Does Dallas need Lonzo? (laughs) I'm sorry. That was just an injury joke. Does New Jersey, does Brooklyn need uh, Lonzo? I think think the Bulls need Lonzo. That's the problem. But uh, we'll get into it. We've got the pick six. We're going to break it down and we'll have fun with all the stories from the weekend. It's Mully and Hall on the score. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw. Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now. Did you enjoy seeing the Bulls flip the script and rally from 17 points down to beat the Trailblazers? Do you agree with Zach Levine, who said this? You know, offensively, we're good enough to get back in any game, but I think we started playing for each other and scrambling um, on the defensive end. Agree with Zach in that comment? We should let you know this segment is brought to you by Finishing Chicago. All great finishes start with finishingchicago.com. I like what Zach had to say, and I think he's right. I think that they uh, they can play offensive basketball, and I mean it's offensive. No. They fell behind in that game. What they've been doing is getting ahead uh, by 20 and then losing, and they kind of reversed the trend. 
and it was good to see. And they did play much better in the second half. They really did. They didn't just share the ball. They did the stuff we've talked about. They ran the offense through Vooch. They uh, they got everybody involved. Uh, the big three really performed well in the second half of that game, and it made a big difference in that game. So, obviously, coming back is a lot better than just falling behind. You would like consistency of performance, and you would like them to be able to build a big lead and not not have to come back and rally like that. But, you know, what, what amazed me about it was – was uh, when Dame Lillard gets hot, you just get out of the gym. You may as well go home. And somehow they managed to win that game. So that was that was very good all the way around. They, they made some adjustments, and they played significantly better in the second half. That was a good win for the Bulls, no doubt about that. Didn't think they had a shot at all entering the third uh, third quarter. How about Io DeSumo? Three threes in the, in the third, attacking the basket as well. I mean, he's really – he's put together a, a couple of really good – a really good games, but um, I, I don't know that I agree with Zach Levine that that they can come back at any point. I, 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 what I agree with though, Dustin, is that they can score, and we know that. But they they can they apparently learned how to defend in the second half. I guess I think they can come back like that, but it's predicated around one of the three getting hot. Zach got hot. And he matched Dame Lillard, and which was hard to do. This is one of the hottest players in the league right now. 40 points, I think, six games in a row. And you know what he's capable of doing. We'll get to what he might be capable of doing for a new team in the next question. But I think that when you look at what the Bulls are able to accomplish on Saturday night, it, it was encouraging and deflating at the same time. Because you're encouraged by the fact that, yeah, look at that. They can do that when they get somebody who's hot like that. Goodness sakes, they're pretty impressive. But then you look at the record and it's like, oh, my gosh. Why are they two games below 500 when they can play like that? So, yes, you like what you see. You hope it's sustainable. You look at the Eastern Conference and you start to wonder about, well, geez, if uh, the Nets are breaking themselves up and they're fourth in the, in the conference and – uh, is anybody better than the Celtics? And what, what what about the Bucks? I don't think the Bulls are there yet, but when they have a night like Saturday, you start to ponder things that you thought were impossible to ponder again because these are players that, you know, they're streaky. In answer to your question, uh, it's a two-part question. It's trade week in the NBA with the deadline coming on Thursday. Is there anything the Bulls can do short of blowing up the roster, i.e. trading one of the big three that can change the team's fortunes? Do you expect they will blow up the roster? I don't expect them to blow up the roster. I'm not sure of anything, though, at this point in time as we sit here on Monday morning because it is trade week in the NBA, and we know what that means. So I got down a rabbit hole yesterday trying to find out where did Kevin Garnett tell whoever it was that he told that was retweeted and put out there that the Bulls might be in a position to trade for Dame Lillard? I don't know if that's even realistic. I don't know if he, what he said, but I love the idea. I don't know if there's anything off limits in trade week in the NBA. We just saw that Kyrie Irving is in Dallas. What is he doing with Luka? This is crazy. We'll talk about the reaction <laughs> to that, but in the NBA, anything seems possible. Anything is possible. And you look at what they have 
to 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 shake up, and the Bulls have some talent to trade, and they have some contracts expiring. Cody did a nice job of breaking that down on Friday for us, but um, I think that after all of the stuff that we'll talk about and speculation, they will make a minor deal. They will try to maybe supplement their shooting a little bit if they can, but I I think as we sit here Monday morning, I would be really surprised if one of the big three is a former Bull by the end of the week. I think there's a good chance that Vooch is the one. I mean, I, here's what I would be shocked with. I, I would be shocked if Zach Levine is no longer a Bull when we get on the air Friday morning. That that, that would be shocking to me. Um, and that's the move, potentially, if somebody else sees something that I don't, um, that could reshape their roster moving forward. Um, but I don't think, unless you're trading the biggest on paper of the big three. I don't even think when you trade Vooch that that's going to do something that's going to set the Bulls' compass in a new direction. I just think it's a Band-Aid at this moment. Yeah, I think that they're headed to a Band-Aid more than than anything else. Um, You know, I I just have... um, Maybe they get a a, a point guard. If if they could get, like, a Fred Van Fleet, that would be fantastic. He's from Rockford, local guy made good he'd be great here um and that's kind of what they need is some help in that fashion I, the vooch thing is very interesting to me just because his contract's expiring just because there seems to be a decision that you would have to make um to me blowing up the roster is defined as trading one of the big three that's the only way that i would see it as uh as a blowing up of the roster and i just don't think that's going to happen i think it's going to be more of a i think they'll get some help but it will be more of a minor deal, and we'll be lamenting the fact on February 10th that uh, that they didn't make a move that would assure uh, a playoff run of any type. And, you know, part of it, uh, David, I want to get into it. I, I just love the idea that the Lakers did not get Kyrie, and the Lakers are desperate to get something to happen, and I would really enjoy seeing them miss. I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that. That's Brad Biggs. He'll be with the guys at 8 o'clock this morning. Biggs time right here on the Mully and Haw Show. What was your reaction to Kyrie Irving going to the Mavs from the Nets? And what does this mean for Kevin Durant? Does any of this affect the Bulls? Um, you know, it's an, it's a. if they could have gotten Kyrie, it would have improved their team. Now, I don't know that he's a team guy, and I don't know – about his availability, and I think it's really difficult not to. Kyrie is in a situation where he looks at the NBA as a business, and if they want to pay him and bring him in, then he's ready to be there. But leaving the Celtics the way he did, that's a business move. Now he's made another business move. The problem is that that doesn't help individual teams. You know, the the experience of Kyrie in Boston was a disaster. You know, Kyrie did fine coming into the league, but now he's bouncing around a bit and he's trying to look for the next payday. And and I I asked that question earlier. You want him to play with Luca? Give him two hundred million dollars, and then uh, and then you give him too much power, maybe. But maybe he'd let Luca take a shot at the end of the game. I I just think that it's going to be fascinating. You know, game knows game, and and the idea is that he'll start to play. But how in the name of God did they end up? with Kyrie, with James Harden, and Kevin Durant, and and do squat. It's absolutely amazing. I'm thrilled that he's not on the Bulls, and that's Kyrie. I mean, he's a bad guy. 
bad guy, pain in the backside guy. Can he play basketball? Sure, but like as you mentioned, you know, for how long? Could yeah. you could you see him and DeRozan getting along, or him and Zach getting along? No, no. And and you, Mola, you mentioned the Lakers at the end of your last answer. I love the internet report that the owner of the yeah. Nets there was a better package for. Kyrie to go to LA and he said absolutely not I am not letting him go where he wants to go I'll send him elsewhere I don't want him here either but I am not putting him That's where great. he wants to go I so get that. you know good cheers cheers to that uh cheers to that owner what does it mean for the Bulls uh short term I don't think it means much long term though I mean get, you know get Kevin Durant out of the east that that, that could be a good thing Get, get, you know, because if the Nets do move him, or you know, they'll they'll get him, they'll move him, but they're going to get him out of here, meaning the East. And so, long term, that you know, when one of the game's best players is no longer on your side, that can only be a good thing. Mark Cuban has a TV show, Shark Tank, good show, where he entertains proposals from business uh, men and women, and they they make the pitches to him. I have to think that of all the outlandish ideas that he has heard on that show, the dumbest idea that he's ever heard came from his general manager and said, I want to trade for this guy. I want Kyrie Irving to come to the Mavericks. Why? He is a franchise wrecker. He is poison. He is somebody I don't want anywhere close to my franchise. They won one playoff series. It's unbelievable. With the big three. This guy is toxic. He has not played in more games than he has played the last four years. And why? He made these choices himself. He Then he says things that are controversial that are offensive right I he's he's a supremely gifted basketball player when he plays other than that you want to distance yourself as far as possible thank goodness the Bulls were not involved I saw that report from Mark Spears while the Bulls might be one of those teams who want to entertain a trade for Kyrie Irving god I hope not I was ready to come in here today and start waving that flag Kevin Durant the way it affects the Bulls is if he wants out of uh, Brooklyn, there's no indication yet that he does. But if he does, he's 35, but he still is unstoppable. Come to Chicago. Yeah, these are questions we really don't know the answers to right now. That's the voice of the NFL Hall of Fame writer, Dan Pompey. He'll be with Mullion Haw in about 30 minutes from right now. It's officially Super Bowl week, so how would you summarize to a casual sports fan the stakes and the star power of Super Bowl 57 between the Eagles and the Chiefs and what element to watch most in the days leading up to the big game? I'd say it's a, it's a historic matchup, first of all. I think that the... The fact that it's the first time two black quarterbacks are playing against each other in the Super Bowl is something you don't want to miss in describing it. It's a, it's a matchup between the best quarterback in the National Football League today and one of the best ever in Patrick Mahomes against a team that might be the most complete since the 85 Bears in the, in the Philadelphia Eagles. Those are Tom Thayer's kind of suggestions. We'll talk to him at 7 o'clock about that. But I think you have a build uh, a buildup to a game where – you have a disparity in head coaching experience. Andy Reid, 64, and has been to the Super Bowl before. And Nick Sirianni, who reflects his fan base, as we have talked about, but his first time there in his second season in Philly. This is also the, the brother bowl between the Kelseys, but it's going to be a great matchup because you have the completeness of the Eagles against the explosiveness of the Chiefs. Mahomes versus that defense and pass rush. You have the makings of as good of a matchup as the NFL could have produced. 
I think it's um, the early storyline is going to be the health of the two quarterbacks. How healthy were they able to get with that bye week? Both guys look good walking off the uh, plane yesterday onto the tarmac at the uh, airport out in Arizona. Uh, both guys dressed very stylish as well. But I think there's so much more. Um, what's funny about that? What you, I mean, what, what, what? I th- no, no. I just think that's a funny thing to mention. Like how they were dressed. Uh, you've noticed that. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I thought that was a big. Yeah. I mean, that that if you were an Eagles fan. I, I mean, the, the jacket, the jacket that Jalen Hurts had on. I believe I retweeted it yesterday. If I didn't, I will. I mean, it, it, it's really freaking cool. I mean, like if you're an Eagles fan, you know, that's like, you know, remember the Bulls jackets back in the day, right? When the Bulls were doing what they were doing, they were like these really cool leather Bulls jackets that like season ticket holders had. Like you wanted one of those. This is like a throwback kind of thing it's really cool I I think it's all about the quarterbacks it always usually is David mentioned the significance and the other thing is I think for the Chiefs three guys have an opportunity to really stamp their place all time and that's Andy Reid as an all-time coach with another Super Bowl win and obviously it's Patrick Mahomes with another championship and don't forget about the tight I mean Travis Kelsey has the opportunity to become the best performing receiver of a ball in postseason history. I think he's tied right now. He's got 15 touchdowns all time in the postseason. And and I feel fairly strong that he's going to catch a touchdown on Sunday in Arizona. Yeah. You know, I, I obviously I love all the storylines mentioned, you know, it is, it's, it's going to be really uh, a great game. I did not realize it was the first time that two black quarterbacks have met in the Super Bowl. It just didn't register uh, with me until I heard it last week, and I thought, "Wow, you know that—that that is, I don't—I'm not sure that we're coming a long way, but I—I—I I, um, I guess the fact that I didn't think of it that way is—is is significant in that we have come a long way, and I'm—I'm I'm apparently unaware of it. So that's good to know. Um, I—I the Andy Bowl, Andy Reid Bowl thing is interesting. The Kelsey brothers, I get it. I—I I mean. Right now, with Super Bowl week upon us, I all I want to know is the injury report. All I want to study is who's in the game and who's not and how they look in practice and how they don't look. And just generally speaking, the only interest I have now is kind of football-related. And then once I get that information, then I'll watch the game and enjoy it. I'm not so much into the spectacle and all the – you know what I mean? I, I'm, I'm really interested in the idea of um, – of Jalen Hurts, who has like the, the like the least passing yards of a quarterback going into the Super Bowl in the playoffs, because and that, probably because they're just so good running the ball, maybe because his arm is a problem, his shoulder. So I, I I'm interested in, in all that stuff more than the game. Is that a starter jacket that he's wearing? I know. Is that like the? What's it looks that? like it's from the '90s. Something in Ness. Was it? Is it Elliot? Ness? What is I, I don't know. It looks like a starter jacket Ness from the Mitchell. '90s. Ness and Mitchell, maybe. Okay. It's pretty cool, right? Is it? It's a pretty it's cool. Ja- cool. If you're an Eagles fan. It's, it's a kind cool of a jacket. throwback. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool. I don't. I, Check he, it out on our Twitter he, account. He could get away with it. I don't know that everyone could get away with oh, it. Oh no! I mean, I would look ridiculous in that jacket. You know what? My question would be. Tom Thayer, he'll be here at 7. How did you feel about Equinemia St. Brown in a Bears jersey aiding his brother in the Pro Bowl games? How awful was that competition? Did you even recognize the game of football somewhere in that mess? <laughs> Let me tell you something. I watched far too much of that absolute garbage, that trash, whatever that was. I, I think I'd rather have them in uniforms like bumping each other than watch that again.
it didn't make an ounce of sense to me. I couldn't figure out what the scoring was or what the, you know, how who was coming back. You know, oh, let's hit a sled. Oh, no, we're just going to pull it by first down chains. Who in the hell came up with this stuff? Who came up? Like, what? What group of, of uh, future uh, leaders got in a room and figured out, well, how about we do this? Mm-hmm. Like, it was just, it was a dud, man. It was dull. And Equinemius St. Brown, I, I'm like, who the hell is that? I saw the Bears jersey, and I was trying to figure out. And then I realized who it was, and I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's there for his brother. <laughs> well, he was part of, he was like part of the trick. He dove, caught a ball, threw it up to his brother. Who, I mean, it, you know, it worked. They gave him really high scores. And congratulations to – but I would say the Bears have the wrong St. Brown, if that matters. Well, just for what it's worth, I, I, I don't know if you could have actually bet on the final score of oh, the game. But, like, God. so Eli Manning coaching the NFC side, they rallied to beat the AFC squad coached by his brother Peyton Manning. The what? final score was – 35 to 33. Which and I have the, no idea the points, what, how they got that? there, right? And and they were they came into the game, they the AFC came into the game with a 9-3 lead after winning 3 of the first 4 skills competitions that were held Thursday night. It was yes. just it was bizarre. I I didn't mind the idea of flag football, but then play flag football, like play four quarters of flag football. The other thing, very sloppily dressed. Like the uniform police, you know, the NFL is very big into like how, but I mean, they look like a bunch of ragamuffins over at the, over at the high school field playing in a turkey bowl. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, everybody had like, there were, there were some of those competitions where you, where the athleticism of the players really stood out and you thought, wow, like I didn't realize what a good athlete that guy is. That's incredible. But I don't know that, like there was no, there was no rhyme or reason. Rhyme or to reason it. is there the perfect no, way to put it. I think there, I probably spent thirty minutes in total, but no more than like eight minutes at a time. It's awful. Who invited Pete Davidson? Oh well, my that gosh. was this was the what worst was in Vegas. It's in Ve- what does he know about was football? the Nothing. worst sports on television initiative of the Goodell era? There was no reason to watch. I don't know why I wasted my time, but I wasted some time. And I regretted every second and minute that I did in in watching this. It's a great programming idea for the next pandemic. Okay? Oh, my God, yeah. Because that, you know that's what? the only reason I, I would watch it that. if I'm stuck yeah. and there's nothing else on. And it made me think of, why am I watching this? this I haven't felt this kind of... Uh, lost watching something since the horse competition no, that you love. But disagree. that was at least mattered. At least the horse competition, like that guy's gonna make a shot. You gotta make a shot. That that like at least you fair, understood fair how That's that basketball. worked. With, with, this was just with, this hodgepodge with no it was it was when, like an acid when, trip. When Tyree Kill is going one Mississippi, two Mississippi and rushing the passer I, I, and as for I the St. Browns, you're right. They got the wrong St. Brown Equinemius could have saved everybody's a little bit of embarrassment by not wearing his Bears jersey to oh remind God. everyone the only way that a Bears wide receiver is going to get to the Pro Bowl is as a prop. Oh, my God. That's, that's no probably sense. a more difficult question. Luke Getze, he told the NFL Network post game that he expected at least one of the players he coached at the Senior Bowl to be a Chicago Bear. I mean, 100%. There's no question about that. That info that you get in the meeting room in the individual period, that one-on-one intimate session is, like, so critical. And so there's definitely uh, Chicago Bears sitting in this group for sure. 
do the Bears need to draft one who gets these guys to deem the week a success, or was it worth it just for the exposure and the experience? It was worth it for the exposure and experience for Luke Getze. It legitimized him in some ways in some people's minds as somebody, as a head coaching candidate perhaps. As for the talent, go read Brad Biggs, 10 Thoughts. Go read Kevin Fishbane in The Athletic. They Mm -hmm. did a terrific job of Mm -hmm. breaking down the prospects and the guys who were uh, noticeable, guys who flashed during the week in Alabama, there's going to be one of those guys the Bears probably will draft because they have a better insight, not only because of Luke Getzey there, but maybe Flusi or Ryan Poles or one of the assistant coaches on that staff. This was a positive experience that ended well. I thought Luke Getzey handled himself like you would want him to, representing the organization in a first-class manner. So, yes, there's somebody out there from maybe a school you don't expect. The, the Minnesota Center the more you read about him, the more you like. He's right. a local kid. Right. Was in school for six years, I think, but he's mature. Uh, and if he's there in the second or third round and the Bears have an extra pick to play with, boy, they could do a lot worse than him. So I think that uh, guys like that you know more about. Guys like that they know more about, so that's a good thing. Great experience, great exposure. I don't know how any of this could be a negative unless – they end up reaching for a guy, right? That will be the case. That, that Matt Bowen was on the station over the uh, Friday, I believe, with uh, Dan and Lawrence talking about very few, if any, first-round talent playing in right. that game. But the, what that what that game was full of were fourth and fifth and sixth-round picks that add to your roster, add your depth. When you have a guy go down, this guy can step in. So let's just hope that they don't reach because they fell in love with a guy at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, you know, I think there's no there's no shadow of a doubt that you're going to draft some players from the Senior Bowl because those are future NFL players. I agree with what Matt said. You know, obviously, uh, none of the underclassmen are there. It's the Senior Bowl, so you're you're not going to have all the first round draft picks, and a lot of the guys that are already going high in the draft aren't going there. They don't have anything to prove. They don't have to show you anything. Uh, they've got it all on tape already. So. It'll be interesting to see how this stuff breaks down as you move forward. Um, I, you know, I'm not sure I'd take a center in the second round. I, I'm not sure that uh, that's a great idea. John Michael Schmitz is, in, is yes. his name. Yeah. But, but um, you know, maybe a little bit later in the draft, I would love to see that happen. That's but- interesting. Is that because you don't think the Bears should or you don't think by just a, a general rule you wouldn't? I think kind of as a general rule, I would not. Because I would want, um, and I, I think it's partly the talent level of the Bears. I don't think they can afford to to go outside the top position. It's a luxury. Yes, to me okay. it is. And they've got they've got a serviceable guy there, and then they got that the, the injured uh, weight room guy from the <laughs> Packers. I think it's on his business card. Yeah, injured weight room guy, Lucas Patrick. Yeah, I know. I was just making fun of him in a good way. Because it's all funny. Oh, yeah. That, I can't imagine that being perceived in a he, bad way. Oh, he would love that. He'd love hearing that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. I would At some point in time, we'll revisit that. I, I, don't, I don't know if it's a bad idea to draft an interior lineman in the second or third round if he's the right guy. Yeah. You know, I, I mean, that's an interesting thing to say because you called him an interior lineman. I'm talking about centers, and I'm saying that when you look at the history of the position – that is, those are, those guys are really hardworking, smart guys that you can get a guy seventh round, you can get a guy, you know, uh, undrafted that can come in and be a solid rank and file pro. They've, 
they have an undrafted guy playing center for them right now. And I know a lot of people don't like Sam Mustafer, but he's a really intelligent guy, knows what he's doing. And, um, and, and, you know, maybe, maybe having him in reserve is a, is a, is a much better way of, of kind of maintaining things with him. If I felt David, like they didn't already need tackles and guards so much, you know what I'm yeah, saying? I get it. That's my I, problem I totally with that. I'd like yep. to see him use the second round pick on, in the interior of the line, offense and defense. All right. That is the pick six. We've got the extra point next. Molly and Hall on the score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Molly and Haw on 670 The Score. Revisiting our conversation Friday about Super Bowl coaches, how fair or unfair is it to wonder if Nick Sirianni is one win away from becoming one of the most nondescript, unqualified Super Bowl winning coaches ever? After having looking through the list of head coaches with one Super Bowl title to his resume, is there anybody who was more obscure of a winner than Nick Sirianni would be? It almost sounds mean when you refer to him that way. Don't want to be mean about Nick Sirianni. Totally respect the fact that he uh, has gotten the Eagles where he's taken the Eagles to the Super Bowl in his second season. Had to do a little research here just to make sure that we, we weren't over. I wasn't over my skis in suggesting that there's some obscurity attached to some of these coaches who have won Super Bowls. Gary Kubiak is not obscure a name, but he is a guy that kind of disappeared after winning his Super Bowl with the Broncos. The most obscure name besides Barry Switzer, not an obscure name, but certainly was an obscure odd tenure. And maybe you talk about underqualified or maybe overrated Barry Switzer would because he's won a Super Bowl in four years at Dallas. He was not a success. But Don McCafferty of the Baltimore Colts is not a name that rolls right off the lips. You have to go look up that he won Super Bowl five. And uh, for the Baltimore Colts, and it was one of those situations where he is listed on the uh, uh, guys of the categories of, of Super Bowl winning head coaches who have just one Super Bowl victory. And maybe you don't remember who that is. So Nick Sirianni is on his way maybe to that list. I don't know. He, it's interesting to see all the things, the connections this week. Andy Reid going against the Eagles, but Nick Sirianni going against the Chiefs who also fired him. He was on the staff before he took over with the Eagles. And, of course, we did make the comparison on Friday to how Sirianni is representative of the Eagle fan base, much the way that Mike Ditka might have represented the Bears fan base and whether or not the tactical coach uh, is is one that you would want more than the emotional coach and the comparisons there that maybe rubbed a few people the wrong way. I think it's an interesting conversation, but I think Nick Sirianni is on the verge of being in the same category as Don McCafferty. Yeah, I think that's the only name, David, really. I mean, Gary Kubiak at least was around the Broncos for quite a while, right? Um, George Seifert, I mean, two times. But, mm-hmm. like, was that with, like, did he do it, like, with Bill Walsh's team, right? Like, what what did George Seifert do when he got away from that organization? And if you said, if you said name, name coaches that have won multiple Super Bowls, how many people would get that weren't 49ers fans would get to George Seifert? I was surprised I was, by that. I was shocked. Yeah. I knew he had won one. I was surprised that he had won two. Tom Flores, right? That was another one. Two. It won, it he's got, won two. Yeah, yeah. It, pretty extraordinary. But he's um, a Hall of Famer, right? At least, I mean, right, Tom Flores well, is a Hall I mean, of Famer? Well, I mean, as a player, uh, Ditka, I believe, is the only player to coach a team to a Super Bowl. I think um, – I think that uh, Raymond Barry and uh, Forrest Gregg 
our Hall of Fame players that were in the Super Bowl as coaches. But Ditka was the only Super Bowl winning coach who was also a Hall of Fame. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. I want to talk about Ditka. I want to talk about Ditka uh, vis-a-vis the question here on Nick Sirianni because we talked about that on Friday. And we're going to do so with the Hall of Famer himself, Mr. Dan Pompey. He'll join us next. It's Mullion on the score. Dan Pompey with Mully and Ha on 670 The Score. Mully and Ha, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Dan Pompey joins us on the Score Hotline, which, of course, is presented by the fine folks at Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Dan, good morning. How are you, bud? I'm great, and I want to congratulate you at the top of the show for the Father Finnegan Award. And uh, I always knew you were a great humanitarian. It's great to see it <laughs> recognized by the rest of the world. And uh, uh, I, uh, I, I knew you when. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you knew me when I was in college. That's pretty funny. Ah, oh, you're a great man, Dad. Thank Very you. Very proud that. of you. Very proud Bless of you, you, buddy. I'm always proud of you. And uh, you know, we're having this conversation here, and I. I should really let David explain his point because I don't want to um, accuse him of uh, of dissing the. Well, coach. no, Dan, we got in a conversation on Friday, and I asked a question. It, Nick Sirianni is a very emotional coach. He's somebody that probably is known more for his impact emotionally than he is strategically or tactically. And I I drew a comparison to uh, a team that could win the Super Bowl by the strength of that will or what what he his impact on that team to the way Mike Ditka led the Bears in 85, and that impact on that team was as much emotional as it was anything. And tactically speaking, strategically speaking, uh, I think it was more of the defense and Buddy Ryan. And I, I, I was asked, as Molly asked me, could Buddy Ryan have won the Super Bowl as a head coach instead of Mike Ditkin? I initially answered yes, absolutely, because I think the talent was that good. Likewise, I think the Eagles' talent is that good. So I don't know what role the head coach plays overall. Well, it's interesting, and, you know, certainly it's a hypothetical that we could kick around back and forth all day. I mean, I could go a few different ways with this. I mean, the first question is, do you think anybody could have won a Super Bowl with that team? You know, forget Buddy Ryan. I mean, it was it just kind of instant oatmeal? Meal? You know, you put it in the microwave and it comes out perfect. Um, I don't think that was the case. I think that chemistry was... A really important part of the 1985 Bears uh, as evidenced by what happened to them in subsequent years they didn't have the same chemistry and they didn't have the same edge and they they fell apart at the critical points of the season obviously there were a lot of factors going on there but chemistry I think was a giant part of that and the person most responsible for the chemistry was Mike Ditka so I really think he was kind of uh, uniquely uh, suited to coach that team and the perfect coach for that team. And I, I you know, d- does 1985 happen if he's not there? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, think, uh, I think you could make the case that it does not. Now, on the other factor, you know, Buddy Ryan is head coach. So uh, I, was, I was on the plane with Buddy Ryan uh, when he flew from Chicago to Philadelphia to be announced as the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles. And I remember asking him, although we we were talking about the difference between being a defensive coordinator and being a head coach. 
and um, he was he was arguably the you know the greatest defensive coordinator any of us have seen, right? I mean, he was just mm. fantastic on every level as a defensive coordinator. Uh, but there's this thing called the Peter Principle, you know, where you will advance beyond the level of your greatest capability. I think that's what happened to Buddy Ryan. I don't think he was a very good head coach. I think he was a divisive head coach. And I think, um, you know, from being around him in both Philadelphia and Arizona, uh, I, I think his teams probably, he probably did not achieve as much with some of those teams as he should have. Because he had, he had some great teams in Philadelphia. And, um, you know, I, I don't know that he would have done uh, service to the 1985 Bears. Yeah, it, you know, I mean, here's the thing. Like, you, you look at Ditka and you look at that year, and, I, I mean, you know, the argument is always like, well, what happened? Why didn't it hold up? Why didn't they win more? And, and what was the problem with that? Well, they did win that one, right? And he was an essential part of it. I don't know if Nick Sirianni – is going to go down like Mike Ditka, right? I mean, Ditka is a is a kind of national treasure, if you will, certainly a civic one. Yeah, I, I don't think there's anybody quite like Ditka was in 1985. You know, being a, a former great uh, on the team who uh, you just had this incredible presence in town, and then this personality that was just so big. I mean, Sirianni's personality is not the same you know it's not the same kind of overwhelming uh, personality that the entire team uh, takes a part of I don't think uh, but that's not to uh, you know take anything away from Sirianni I think I think he's done a tremendous job with that team and really has exceeded uh, almost all expectations the impressive thing about what he's he's done with that team is he's made it consistent from the beginning of the season until the end, which is a very, very difficult thing to do, especially if you're relying on emotion, right? If, if that's your calling card, you're usually going to have some peaks and valleys because mm-hmm. that, that's that's how emotion goes. But he's made that team, you know, they've kind of been a, a, a flatline team in terms of consistency, even though they've been relying on emotion. So is there an overlooked aspect of what his he brings to the Eagles and his impact on this team because of you know the way they have run through the playoffs and dominated Dan and and will his, that inexperience in the Super Bowl have any effect on the outcome because he's going head to head against Andy Reid? Yeah, it, it could. You know, it depends on how the game plays out. Uh, but I, I think um, you know there's always a great value in having a coach who has been there before and really is, you know, well-versed in every aspect of what he's facing in that game. Uh, Sirianni's never even been to a Super Bowl, which I find interesting. Um, So I think there could be something to that. But then again, you know, we saw uh, Doug Peterson uh, from those same Eagles win a Super Bowl, you know, when he was an inexperienced head coach, too, just, just a few years back. So... Um, you know, it doesn't always play out that way, but I, I think it certainly could. Dan, we've seen coaches traded for draft picks before, and obviously it's happened again uh, uh, this year with Sean Payton going to Denver, and it's not just a first-round pick. They're swapping a second for a third next year. It seems like a, a hefty price, and we were kind of picking it apart. Like, who would you trade for? If you had an opportunity to trade for a coach – 
you know, you we mentioned Andy Reid and the success that he's had. Andy um, is aging out of me wanting to give up a first round pick for him. Ditto, seventy year old Bill Belichick. Right? It's just a you just don't think that trading a first round pick for a guy who might be limited and how many years he's going to give you is wise. But I'm curious, who would you be willing to give up a first round pick for? And we were talking about, I mean. Would you give it up for Kyle Shanahan? Would you give it up for a guy like um, uh, Mike Tomlin or, or you know, Andy even at 64? Yeah, there's. I think there's a bunch of them. You know, I think those guys, uh, Sean McVay, yeah. I think yeah. uh, John John Harbaugh. Um, you know, these are guys who are, are proven. You know, Pete Carroll. You would say if he were, you know, 20 years younger. <laughs> uh, but he's 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 in that same category as Andy and and uh, Belichick. Uh, but you know, I to me, you know, when you look at what makes a team great, uh, you know, the the first person that ha- that carries the most weight for the first position is always the usually the quarterback, right? That's that's the the most important part of your team. The second most important part is the head coach. And I think oftentimes it's easy to underrate the impact and value of that that person. You know, teams give up so much for quarterbacks, sometimes for quarterbacks that they have no idea whether or not they could have an impact, as the Bears have done in recent years. Um, but I think, you know, if you've got a proven head coach who you know, like Sean Payton, uh, can can do some really special things. You know, I think it's definitely worth the price. It's interesting, you know, if you go back and look at the history of the head coaches who have been traded, uh, almost all of them have been like really high impact guys, and a number of them have had really good effects on their new team. Right. Uh, J- John Gruden being the, the sure. obvious uh, best example is a guy who came in there and won a Super Bowl right away. So, you know, I, I think uh, I think that's something that I'm a little surprised doesn't happen more often. But the reason it probably doesn't happen is usually when a a team has a great impactful head coach, they don't want to get rid of him. 60 seconds, Dan. What uh, is the plan this week in terms of a timetable? Devin Hester being presented uh, for the Hall of Fame Thursday night. The announcement is what uh, what was the week look like for you? Well, um, we've already had our meeting, uh, so we've already had our vote. And uh, oh. of course, am sworn to secrecy on what the results were. Um, but uh, this have was you told done. Devin these in? Uh, <laughs> it, it's uh, <laughs> it's uh, not my not place to tell anybody anything. <laughs> I just sit had here to with try, my, Dan. We had yeah, to try. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, um, yeah, we had the meeting on Zoom, and um, wow. so I think the the announcement is going to be Thursday night at the NFL Honors. Uh, when the world will find out who's in and who's out. I'll tell you this, it's it's a really, it was a great class of 15, really tough. And almost all of them will probably be future Hall of Famers. And um, we had a, we had some good debate. It was, uh, it was an interesting meeting. Uh, I think it got a little contentious at times. And um, it was invigorating. Good word. That's great. Excellent, yeah. Dan. God bless you. So you just get to enjoy the Super Bowl. You don't have that hanging over your head. I remember it used to be every Saturday, and then poor Dan would just be. You were dreading that all week, yeah. and then you were a stress ball up until the God the bless vote. Zoom. I, 
You sound very relaxed, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think uh, the, the word is that next year, you know, we've been on Zoom since COVID. Right. So the word is next year we're going to do it in person again. And I don't know. I, I think, though, now they, they like to do it in advance of uh, Super Bowl week. So they have time to plan. Every, you know, it's become kind of a TV production, too, with NFL honors. Sure. Right. Uh, and they want to have time to uh, give everyone the heads up, whether you're in or out. Great stuff, Dan. Thank you a ton. Great Thanks, catching Dan. up with hey, you, bud. My pleasure. Thank you. That is Dan Pompey. Wow. That's pretty cool. That information's out there. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I didn't guess either. last year they might have done it similarly. Dustin, is there an offshore place where we can lay yeah. some money? And, uh, <laughs> Did you read anything into his inflection? Could you tell anything about his tone? Sounds like Devin Hester's going in. Ooh. Oh, wow. Look at that. Yeah. Mr. Okay. Dustin giving out tips. I don't know. Oh, all right. Dan's he was pretty, so close last time, right? Dan plays yeah. it pretty close to the vest, yeah. but I couldn't read him one way or another. No, Dan wouldn't tell us one way or another. That's, that's his trick. Okay. God bless them. It's Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.